think I've actually figured this out. All right. Wow, what a world. LQ brothers, look, LQ, we've actually got, I, I thought this would be, nobody would join us in the chat, right? We don't have Josh. We are, we're live at, I don't know, what even time is it in the UK? Uh, 1.30 UK time, isn't it? 1.30 a.m. For those that, for those that still can't sleep after the results. <laughs> um, so. And the Bengals and the Ravens are facing off in a playoff game in the US. So, Honestly, if we've got bad news to deliver or some skeletons in the closet, this is the time I think we would do it on the pod. <laughs> but, Craig, uh, how are you? We are officially, this is episode 198, so welcome, everyone. Uh, we are Josh Liss, who is in the process of, of well, packing up his entire life to move back to Blighty uh, tomorrow. So he'll be back for the next one. But for this one, you're stuck with us. Craig, how are you? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Yeah, I think this, this will be a chaos when when we're joshless so uh I, we'll see how this goes see if there's any rhyme or reason towards this but yeah yeah uh, how about you how are yourself yeah i mean uh well we are going to be talking about what on earth occurred yesterday um but it was good it was incredible stuff wasn't it before we get into it there's a lot to discuss there isn't just the liverpool game uh we've got uh borough that we we didn't record after the fa cup game we'll touch on that quickly because that's yesterday's news at this point isn't it it's funny that you could talk about a 5-1 cup win as a yesterday's <laughs> news uh we've got the trossard situation we signed a player officially uh in the january transfer window that's been a long time coming but we should probably first touch on uh the news that came out a little bit early on enoch and wepu who sounds like um was was taken to hospital uh, in Zambia, I believe, right in his home country, in suspicion of a heart attack. We are again recording on a Sunday night US time and early hours of Monday morning in the UK. We don't know if things have changed after the pod drops, um, but our wishes are with him. Obviously, what a horrible, horrible few months for that poor guy. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, especially given his his background and and I guess the now well documented hereditary condition that he has, um, that's something that you never want to see. Uh, so yeah, just fingers crossed. All the all the thoughts um, with him and his family. Let's let's hope it's it's not too bad. I think there's there's sort of no news at the moment. So we'll, we'll sort of wait until there's something more concrete. But uh, yeah, hope the guys are right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's sentiment shared by every Brighton fan and non-Brighton fan alike. Um, let's let's move on to the the the, the good news, and we're going to start. We're going to be super quick on this. We're going to we're going to touch on Borough because I know that everyone's going to be wanting to talk about <laughs> talk about that Liverpool game. Um, but a little while back, uh, we played Borough and we smashed them. And I don't know about you, but I was fairly nervous about this after what happened in the other cup against mm. Charlton, which, God, how long ago does Charlton feel like at this point after the run that we've been on? It's it's even funnier to me now at this point that we lost that game. But anyway, thoughts yeah. on Barra? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a bit of a far cry, you know, for, for those that uh, remember, I guess, what, 20, back in 2016, just, again, that sort of playoff um, and sort of chasing them for, for contendership to be in the Premier League. It's uh, it's funny how six, seven years change things and, and change flights of different clubs uh it was pretty crazy that we could make the sort of changes that we did with um with van heck coming in and um i guess ferguson also starting as well i think we can still say he's relatively new to that sort of starting lineup and um, and still be so comfortable uh so yeah i mean we like we won't touch on it too much um but 
it, just outrageous that we can make those changes, go to a, a way to Borough, who are a championship playoff contention outfit, um, and blow them off the park. And very impressive. Yeah, I don't know about you, and, and there are some, I can't believe people are in the chat, but kudos to everyone. It looks like we've got Mikey's, Mikey's found his way to Florida. Um, Just for the pod, yeah. Look well. at the, Mikey, did you, better, you must have missed the, uh, you must have missed the game. <laughs> that is not one you probably wanted to miss at the Amex yesterday, but hey, Florida's probably nice this time of year if you want to get some decent weather. Uh, Alex talking about how he was having a nice day and then reminds us of the playoff game. Yeah, sorry about that one. Uh, yeah, this was, so the Borough, the Borough game itself, it started out a little bit nervy because we obviously got the, that go-ahead goal and then they equalised and you started to think, please, not this again. Um, mm. And then let's let's be quite honest. We brought on our World Cup winner and he just absolutely destroyed any hope the Borough had. And then they basically had a meltdown towards the end of the, the, end of the game and started bleeding goals. Um, two big things or three big things, I think, just out, without going through a chronological process of this one. Uh, Van Heck started. Uh, it didn't look too bad. A couple of slightly dodgy appearances, but we've talked about the need to have central defensive backup, and he and he looks fairly competent. Yeah, I thought so. Um, like you said, I I mean he he's there to cover, right? I don't I don't think he's going to dislodge Colwell, Dunk, Webster at this point. Um, but the cover's there, and I, I don't think he did too badly. You know, I think I forgive me. I, I don't know his exact age. I still think that he's young, given the amount of loan <laughs> loans that he's had. But um, you know, with him and Colwell at the back, that's a fairly young centre back pairing against the Championship outfit, and I thought they did fine. Yeah, um, so. twenty two years old Van Heck, um, Colwell nineteen. So uh, and, and Lamptey was playing on the right as well. It's a fairly youthful back group. Um, I want to bring up. McAllister's goal well I know he scored two but that back heel it fooled the commentator uh, <laughs> where he thought it just deflected in and after the, the commentator watched the replay he realised it was utterly obscene and the guy because Matoma bangs the ball into the box and it, it looks like either sort of a weird cross shot or just a slightly muffed attempt and Mac in the blink of an eye, just shuffles it in with the sort of backside foot. I cut an unreal finish against anyone. Yeah, I mean, I think Josh put it quite eloquently in the in the chat when when the game was going on that this guy has a, an aura now. Um, yeah, where he's sort of he's playing with this this confidence, and I guess this. I, I said I, he was a confident guy anyway. Let's be honest; he's he's class. But you know, you go and win the World Cup, and you put in the performances you do in Qatar, and you come back, and I think you could think you could do anything. Um, so he goes and bangs a free kick against the post. He goes and um, scores a essentially a, a a little flick into the bottom corner, and then adds one more as well, sweet as you like. I mean, he's just he's outstanding. Um, I'm just happy to have him back, really, um, just because he does make a difference. You've got a feel for Borough in some ways in that you look around and on the 46th minute, the World Cup winner comes on and ends up absolutely degrading you. Uh, it's just, it's, you don't want to see that really, do you, if you're them? But for us, pretty wonderful. Um, the other the other one to bring up as well outside of this as we as we wrap up sort of a very, very quick Borough recap. Dennis Undev came on in the 81st minute. And he took a goal, 
fairly well and with a rather emotional celebration. And we'd heard that, and let's face it, I think everyone collectively given Dennis and a fairly hard time. We don't know what's gone on in his personal life, but clearly very, very emotional after that goal. Hope all is well with him. And it's good to see him get on the score sheet, regardless of what happens, whether he goes out on loan, whether we sell him on, we don't know yet, but it's good to see the guy actually do his, do his worth as a striker. Yeah. I, there's no doubt how clinical he is. It's just adapting to what we do or, or whether he can do it on a consistent basis. So you'll see whenever he scores, it's just either an unbelievable finish or right place, right time. And there's, there's that sort of noose you need as a striker. Um, Obviously, I think I agree with you. I think he's getting a bit of a tough rap at the moment. Um, if you, you think it in hindsight, and again, the, I'm included in this, so I'm I am part of the problem. Um, is that for for six million quid um, as a as a striker bringing bought in and you know having a go at him that he's not scoring on a regular basis in the Premier League? Um, maybe our our expectations were a little bit too high. Um, yes, but I, I guess. From a personal and from a yeah, from his family's perspective, I know there was rumored for for family reasons, etc. Um, it was nice to see that all the team go over there. Even Steely was up there as well um, when he yeah. did score as well. Is that that sort of team camaraderie that you know, even if you aren't doing too well, as soon as you do, then the whole team is with you. So that was good to see, both for him scoring and the the reaction of the squad as well. Yeah, and, uh, and look. That the pace of the Premier League, as cliche is to say, means that he might never fully adapt to, be, to to doing what we need from from him. But he may well make a really, really, really good Championship striker. And I know that those are the kind of that's the level he's being rumored to to go to if he does move on loan. Um, he'd be a coup for a Championship side. But uh, anyway, um, stuck with Aaron Connolly instead, are they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, Let's move on to the fun stuff. And I say fun stuff because it's also going to kind of take into account a little bit around some of the weird situation around Leandro Trossard because not sure if anyone is aware, we played Liverpool yesterday. Uh, Hell of a result. But arguably, would you say he's our best player over the last two to three years in all? Yeah, make that case, right? Oh, whether you like it or not, he is still our top scorer right now for this season as well. Um, I think it, it is safe to say that when that guy is firing on all cylinders, he's probably the first name on the team sheet. Um, so yeah. we'll just chalk it down to being an important player. <laughs> mm. um, and then when, when the news does come out that he's... Oh, well, I said alleged rumours and, and what you want to believe um, that... A bit of a falling out has happened behind the scenes. Yeah, and this is the difference that you're going to get. So it wasn't in the squad. It sounds like if, if you haven't caught up on it, and I'm sure everyone probably has at this point, it sounds like he sort mm. of had a bust up or a minor little bust up with someone in the in, a training. Deserby got involved. This is Deserby's team. You do what he says, and he didn't. Uh, and they had a little bit of a face off potentially. Trossard went off and sulked back to somewhere and. Belgium for a little bit and then came back to Brighton and was not in the match day squad against against Liverpool obviously um, and now there's obviously rumours flying all over the place that he is going to be going to be gone we'll get into that and this is probably a very quick point just to, to, to drop the fact that um, next week we are going to be recording on Sunday but earlier uh, and we are at least the current plan 
is that we're going to be joined uh, by by Ben Jacobs, who has been uh, basically doing a ton of coverage over Brighton transfers, not just Brighton, but pretty much every team out there. He works with CBS Galazzo. He's a pretty big name on Twitter. He's going to be joining us and talking all things Trossard, Caicedo and the whole gang and see what's going on in January. So we're just bringing it up now. So join us Sunday. And if you've got any questions, please send those in prior because we'll, we'll pass them up the chain to him as well. Um, thoughts on the lineup for this Liverpool game? Uh, because I don't know about you, but you took a look around and you said, all right, no Trossard. I understand that. That's fine. And then you saw Gross at right back. What was your thinking going into this game? So immediately, the first thought was, this is the second manager that has played Gross at right back. And I think before this, we were rightly, I, I say rightly or wrongly, I think probably wrongly at this point. But at the time when Graham Potter was playing Gross at right back, we were saying, what are you thinking? Um, and I think... I think that sentiment was shared this time around as well was, you know, you, you have, <laughs> you have Feltman um, on the bench. You, you have Lamptey on the bench. <laughs> Those are two people that can play in that position. Um, so yeah, rightfully, I think you're, you're sort of saying why um, we'll, we'll understand why when we get into the match itself, it's, it's more of an overload in the middle for him to be an inverted fullback. But uh, Again, you have viable options. You have Mr. Consistent Veltman, who is probably, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we all sing his praises on here week in, week out, but very surprised. Um, but just shows you how good Gross must be, both in training and just in, in sort of game situations that he's trusted to be in that role. Yeah, I've got a feeling that if uh, Liverpool did have their full strength 11 um, and Luis Diaz was playing on the left-hand side, probably would have seen Joel Veltman. But mm. uh, outside of the sort of terror of seeing Pascal Gross as a right back, uh, we went into this game and I don't really understand what happened because we played Liverpool, who, yes, everyone's talking about them being in crisis, looking horrible. All right, let's get real here. And you and I talked about this before we went live. This is a team that has the 2022 Premier League leading goal scorer, Mohamed Salah, playing for them. A, what, 50 million quid signing Cody Gakpo when it all, when all said and done, who was smashing it in the Eredivisie. Uh, Thiago Alcantara, Champions League winner. Jordan Henderson, Trent but Robertson. They have a complete wealth of talent whereby this is still a very, very, very good team. And I've got to tell you, this looked easy for us. And not just easy, but this looked like our most competent performance. For me, pretty much in recent memory, it was just 90 minutes of just solid confidence and a, a pure execution of what I imagine Roberto De Zerbi wants from this team. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think you you can't look at that Liverpool team and say that that is not that's not a team that should be winning game in game out. And I think a lot of the media is overhyped to an extent. Um, everyone loves to read about it. It's January. We're in the middle of a transfer window. Everyone wants to talk about football. I get and I, and I get that. Um, 
before that Brentford game and before a dodgy performance at Wolves, this is a Liverpool team that won, what, four league games on a bounce, uh, irrespective of their opponents or whatever. You beat what's in front of you, but that's what it is. So they're, they're a good team. They have a lot of talent in there by where a performance that we put in and to the level of control that we had throughout the entire game should not be happening. And I think the main focus of this pod is obviously going to be on how stupid we made them look um, and just how incompetent we made them look due to just how well regimented and how good this team is. And I, I don't, I think that's my takeaway. I think before we get into the, the actual game and start segmenting it is that this team is a lot better than we think. Um, and I think some of the mentality and some of the philosophy that we've got playing now is elite, uh, as some as some people would say. Um, it's just hugely impressive, especially when normally we're, we're after a slow start. But I think from, from minute one yesterday, I thought we were fantastic. That was the big thing for me. There was never a point... Uh, and, and sure, Liverpool, there were some chances for Liverpool. Um, but I never, at any point, felt particularly concerned. Uh, we felt fully, fully, fully in control of this game. Uh, and as you say, we're, we're famous in some ways, in well, <laughs> our, basically amongst us two uh, and Josh, I suppose, <laughs> of basically saying, yeah, we start really slow. First 10 minutes of every game, we completely switch off. And we've been doing this for two, three years at this point, right? Uh, from the get-go, it, it looked like we went out there to beat this Liverpool team soundly. And um, that was the most shocking thing for me in that it never felt like there was ever a question that that was going to really give in. You could argue maybe there was 10 minutes in the first half. Um, I don't want to take your quote from you, but just to sort of summarise how like bad this was, why don't we, I, I, you mentioned the clock quote afterwards about this being a bad game for him. Or maybe you want to say that one yeah i i mean there's there's a lot floating about and i think we're, we're seeing it in the chat as well like a lot of the media reaction was how bad liverpool were but i think we can all agree we made them look bad probably even worse than they actually are um and i, I think klopp came out and said it was the worst game that he's what well, he's seen i think we're paraphrasing in terms of the ones that he's managed i'm sure he's seen worse games of football than that but i think to paraphrase him it was the the worst game he's potentially managed ever not just the liverpool but just in general um and you are talking about a manager that has won a lot so um regardless i think it, it's all testament down to how good we were and you know no slow start complete control and I think that's my word of the day is just control because I never thought that we were out of it um and it caused some problems um and we'll, yeah we'll, we'll go into it but I think just just straight from the start we were just so good and we never let up yeah I <laughs> Klopp is famously a, a poor poor loser uh and we, he's he's riled us up in the past but I can't think of a bigger compliment uh, for, for him to give and basically say that I, I've not I've not witnessed or managed a worse game during my tenure than, than this one um, because it was just you, w w that's the best quote you can get from an opposition manager essentially that has won almost everything um, why don't we talk about the first half we'll, we'll get so we'll get straight into it um, mm -hmm. we came out of the traps very very quick but funnily enough there was lots of end to end there was lots of nice passing lots of nice interplay and a few things that we'll bring up but for the most part like it was just a fun game but no actual, obviously, with no goals in the first half. What was your general thoughts? Yeah, I mean, 
I got I got to I got to the end of the half and I thought we are absolutely the better team here, but there has been chances for for like I guess even how good we were, there were still Liverpool chances in this game. And I don't think we can just admit that. I think you had a Salah chance um, where Cole shot him to the byline. There's a couple in the, the second half that we'll get onto. But in, in the first half, there was a lot of feeling out process, a lot of control, um, but again, not getting those clear-cut chances that we had. Um, the Solly March chance, I, it was it was going wide, but I think Trent Alexander-Arnold put it over anyway. Um, but you had those sort of half-cut chances, and I think if there's one person that I'll call out for the first half, it will be Kyle Rimbertimer because yeah. I think he, he had Trent on strings, um, as we knew that he would, because he makes even some of the best right-backs in the world, in which Trent is, in my opinion. People can <laughs> correct me, or if they can, they can shout at me if you like, but um, he made him look absolutely silly. Uh, and I thought the first half was very good. The only thing that was missing was goals. We had the control, possession, corners, um, everything, but something to show for it. Matoma, and by the way, if you're watching on the stream, I, I feel like at this point, this Matoma shirt that I got for this season has become now an investment as opposed to just a shirt. Oh, you this might frame it at this point. I'm at, it's, it, I, honestly, look, I, don't, I disagree with you on Trent. I think he's a shit right back. Uh, but I think he's an yeah. incredible right midfielder. Uh, and unfortunately, he played out of position constantly, in my opinion. Um, however, I, to support your point, I've not actually seen a right back that hasn't been embarrassed by Matoma, uh, regardless of how good they are. And he is he is electric. There's, there's no two ways about it. He made a bunch of them look silly. And yeah, for, for the first half, I completely agree with you. But... 28 minutes in, outside of some of the other chances, there was a ball from Levi Colwell where he just mm-hmm. strolled up the left-hand side of the pitch and just smashed a through ball straight through. The, I, believe, I think it went to Matoma, and it, he had a chance, and I think he knocked it wide to the far right. Yeah. Um, the ball cut through five Liverpool players. We just mentioned nine, exactly. 19. Yeah. 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 It's such a good ball and just takes out half the team. Like, and again, that's that's world class. That is. I mean, with, without, I don't want to be sort of hyperbole about it, but you have those type of balls that's coming from your left sided centre back at 19 years old. Like that's that's gravy. Um. So I mean, we can talk about transfers another time, and we can leave that towards the end. But if there was any chance of getting this guy in, we we should be paying or even a blank check at this point. Um, but yeah, that, that reverse ball was so good. And I think Matoma is just a constant threat. And we've seen people are starting to get it and really starting to cotton on now on all forms of social media, all this sort of stuff, is that that Estepinion and Matoma combination down the left is probably one of the best in the Premier League. And you're, you are listening to a Brighton podcast right now, so that's you know, that's good. We're going to say that, but I think it's starting to become more well-known just how good those two are together. There was, um, and I completely agree. And I, we, we talked before we came on live that the, the, the unfortunate situation is that we obviously didn't get cold world with a buy option because we couldn't make it happen. And then currently his club is home club is owned by a madman who seemingly doesn't value money. Um, after just <laughs> signing uh, a player who 
Yeah, did fairly well in like three European football games for Shakhtar Donetsk and paid a hundred million for him and an eight plus year contract, which you kindly um, educated me that is for amortization reasons for financial fair play. But still, you look you look down at a hundred million pounds player who's not done anything on an eight and a half year contract signing for Chelsea, and you start to think to yourself. Is our like twenty five million quid bid for Levi Colwell going to get us very far? But I, who who knows? But I agree with you. Like we'll talk about like player ratings and all that kind of thing towards the end. But my word, an impressive performance from that kid. I saw I saw he was in the box with Mudrick today as well. Um, I think he was uh, he was papped with the player himself. So uh, he was at the bridge today, uh, which is unfortunate. Well, yeah, I was going to more than can be said for most of Chelsea's starting 11 when they play home games. Today's Chelsea game was a weird one. I actually didn't know who to sort of root for. Um, but anyway, uh, the 38-minute mark, if you are watching on highlights, and I'm going to come to the chat as well very quickly, uh, where I think we've got Jay, who's saying is we're re-watching the Liverpool game tonight and, and listening to us instead of the NFL, which, wow. That is, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, 38 minutes in, if you're watching the highlights, there was a passage of play, which I tweeted about this at the time, that for me is the embodiment of everything that Deserve is trying to do with this this team. I think it was a combination of Levi Colwell and, and Lewis Dunk and a bit of Sanchez, where basically we just held the ball on the back line for an obscenely long time waiting and trying to bait in the forward line for Liverpool. And they, they weren't buying too much of it. Eventually, one of them stepped forward a little bit and there was just this ridiculous, just flip of the switch where the ball just cannoned out and just ping-ponged and pinballed its way through about five Brighton players right up to the other end of the pitch and nearly resulted in a, in a, a really decent chance. And that wasn't the only time we saw that this game. And it's going to go back to kind of the, the point I bring this up is Alex said in the chat here, we made we made Liverpool look bad and match of the day couldn't bring themselves to say it. Uh, Craig and I talked about this before we went live, which is if you only watch the highlights of this game, or for those of you in the UK, if you, if you weren't able to watch the full game uh, and you only saw match of the day, you did not get a full representation of this game. So when we say that we felt like we were in control the whole time, it really, really felt that way. Because when I'm watching the highlights back, and I've watched it a few times today, it looks like Liverpool were in this game. It looks like, oh, you're like, oh, wow, really, really bunch of clear-cut chances and they were, you know, they had a decent go of it. No, they were nowhere. And we'll get onto the stats in a minute, but just we were incredibly impressive and the highlights did not necessarily show that. Yeah. And, and you go into the half and you go, right, we've done everything but yeah. score. And I think when in the Graham Potter era, we know we became quite accustomed to that. But you know, this sort of this new era of, of the Serbian and what he means, and like you said, the embodiment of of how they play is just so smart, and no one's been able to figure it out just yet. And um, I'm going to disregard the Arsenal game without Caicedo and McAllister because they're so important to what we do. Anyway, um, you, you get into the half and you go right, so what what do we do we just keep going and i and i think that was really the sense of you know you can even imagine that team talk at half time like it it'll come because we were just pinging it about with with what we do how we know um and i just 
personally, I felt if you just keep doing this, we're bound to score. Um, and it took a lot quicker than I thought it would um, in the second half. Um, so uh, thankfully, uh, Solly March is uh, <laughs> firing on all the cylinders as well. Uh, it took approximately 58 seconds. Uh, and I think this was one that went uh, Mac to, to Lalana over to the side and, and, and Solly finished with a plum. Um, we'll talk about Solly more here, but there were, there were a few people involved in this goal and, and Matoma was involved there. I think Ferguson was involved in this one as well. We haven't talked much about Ferguson just yet, but um, I still can't get over the fact that this kid has just come into the team and is just leading the line and, and looks completely comfortable uh, and does a great job and has a great touch on him as well. I, I mean, you wouldn't think it, would you? I, I think we, we sat here last time when we recorded and I said he's built like a 28-year-old. He plays like a 28-year-old. He's so... He's so well, he plays like he's got tons of experience and just makes the right decisions. Um, and yeah, I think it was his pressure for the first goal that sort of won us the the ball back in the final third. Yeah, you know, Lalana through and and Matoma sort of prods it away uh, to to march at the far corner. Uh, it's yeah, it it's good. It, and like I said, it wasn't anything that we didn't deserve. It wasn't you know that we hadn't been playing well and we we caught them on a break. No, that was that was the press and the pressure that we put on. Um, and it reaps the rewards. Like I said, I didn't expect it to be 58 seconds into the second half, but it, it made it made that second half and, and sort of just allowed us to continue playing our game whilst they had to chase it. And and I think eventually that that led to more space for us for for what happened next. Yeah, and you know that was that was too long of a wait for the first goal. No, it wasn't much of a wait for the second goal, really, was there? Uh and I'm watching this back as we talk again. Uh, we, we win for anyone that hasn't seen it. I, yeah, watch it over and over again. I think I've seen it a hundred times. It's and it's it's Ferguson again, right here, where he's the one that plays the pass. He turns and plays, as you mentioned, this just just stunning ball into March, and then I don't know about you, but when I was watching this live, I vividly remember thinking. Where's where's this going to go then? And it was no part of me was ever the right inside post. It was never. It was never. That was never an option. It was somewhere over here, somewhere up here. Yeah. I cannot believe that finish. I dug it out. I think you know, and it might be worth talking about Solly here because it's going to take up a good, a good yeah. five minutes or so. But um, yeah, for the for the second goal, you've got. An 18-year-old Devin Ferguson playing a through ball, and you expect that to go wide. I think just the way Solly was going and, and sort of the ball that it was. Um, but no, he takes a couple of touches and digs it out with his left foot into the into the inside post of the right post. It's just, and I think you have to give credit where it's due in that he is on fire right now with what is you know was it four goals now in five. Um, and just his his play and his threat, he's found something. And I, I I don't know whether to credit that to himself, like just in in that he's making those strides as a player. But it, you think some of it's to do with Deserbi as well, and giving this person the confidence that he has to do what he's doing. Um, <sighs> low long may it continue because I think he he's absolutely do it, and and you can tell the the team likes it as well. I, I'm annoyed by 
this situation <laughs> um, because I feel like I keep having to apologise for ragging on Solly. Um, but I also know that I'm not the only one here. And there You're was a far from the only one, if we're honest. Yeah, a lot of people have lost the faith with Solly. Um, there was a, there was a period of time, and it's fairly recent, whereby you kind of you watched him week in and week out, and you just thought to yourself, he just doesn't have it. He just mm. doesn't have it. Um, he's good up until a point, and then his his talent sort of caps out, and maybe that's that. And, and maybe it was fair to say that he was a player that suits a lower end prem team, really high champ team, maybe one of those ones that does the flip flop each year, and Norwich or whatever. Um. I'm so happy that I, we are all so, so wrong about that because the it's, I don't think it's just the form, right? It goes back to kind of what you said here, which is he's a different guy under Deserby. This is not the same player that I was watching under Graham Potter. It is a guy that has the confidence to not only do the things that he used to be good at, which was create nice build up, uh, maybe cut round one guy and attempt to pass in. This is a guy now that's making direct runs behind the defenders and actually taking a shot on. Turns out that might have actually been the, the missing piece and maybe why he was shanking all of his shots and not hitting the target in the past was probably because didn't necessarily have the belief to do it or what that wasn't his primary objective. And it feels like now that is his modus operandi under Deserby. Yeah. And it, and it may be under a previous regime that he was told explicitly yeah. not to look for that. And and I think that that also has an impact on someone's psyche and mentality, right? Is, you know, you, you have this, it's this job to do as, as you are Solly March, just to envisage that you, you have that, that privileged role. And, and if you're, allegedly being told that you know you're a defensive winger type deal that we did see for for years um maybe taking a shot you know that you're going to get lambasted for it because you know that that's not your primary objective as the player contributing towards this team but you remember when Deserby came in one of the first people we mentioned was Solly March like I think Deserby knows that this is this is a guy that has it in him and I think we're seeing it now and like you said i to to some degree, I feel every I'm not gonna say every, but I think most most Brighton fans would have been a little bit of sort of criticizing or some critique towards Solly March and the way that we've seen him play sometimes. Um and I'm glad we're all eating humble pie and seeing what he can do now. Um it's just one of those stories as well as a local lad as well, and you love those sort of stories, but it's just so good to see and, and so glad that a lot of people were wrong, basically. And it sounds like he ended up in a brew pub in Portslade afterwards as well. I saw, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's, I like that too. You don't get that everywhere. Um, there was a kind of, after after Solly scored here, and, and by the way, I do want to add one last thing, is, is that there was, a, there was a tweet that a chap called Alfie Bacon put out about um, Deserby doubling uh, Berardi's output at Sassuolo once he'd come in. Um, plays in that same right winger role as Solly does. Mm-hmm. And you look at the stats, look up uh, Domenico Berardi's stats over the, the last few years. Take a look at the years where he was playing without Deserbi and take a look at the years where 
once De Zerbi had come in. And you'll see there is no coincidence here of the goals that this guy added to his game. And suddenly Berardi became a fairly big name on the scene and has continued to be a good player. And I think he just basically signed another contract to see out his career at Sassuolo. Um, mm. And also just to kind of add into the other side of this, doesn't need you to kind of get uh, Sherlock Holmes in on this investigation to go take a look at Stamford Bridge and see what happens when you've got a manager that isn't encouraging the wingers to score necessarily or the tactics don't necessarily allow them to, to play the game they want to play. Ask any Chelsea winger. <laughs> like, because they ain't scoring. They, they sure as hell look like Solly March from tw- the 2022 season, 2021-22 season. Uh, Raheem Sterling probably giving Solly a call right now and be like, what's Roberto telling you down the training ground? <laughs> oh, yeah, what's, what are they feeding you in that in that canteen as well? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Chocolate. So, Chuck. Yeah, it's uh, so there was a couple of a couple of chances on from from Liverpool after after this second goal went in and, and Trent started being that very good right midfielder. Uh, Wait, but there was an outside of the foot like cross that he did, which was uh, incredible. But some just went ox trying to finish uh, wasn't great. Gakpo fudged one, but but I think what was interesting is we we had Deserby come in and just decide, you know what, I don't like the way that this five minutes, ten minutes is starting to look like. We're two up. Let's figure this out. And he made some wholesale changes at 66-minute mark. Um, and we had Welbeck come on for Evan Ferguson. Again, Evan Ferguson had played very, very well. It wasn't based on talent. It was just a tactical switch-up. And then Veltman came on for Lalana, which meant Veltman could go into the right-back position, free up Pascal Gross to go and play in a role that he can actually sort of semi-play, even though he did fairly well at right-back for the first half. Uh, and then uh, Klopp responded not two, three minutes later with four changes on the Liverpool side. Um, thoughts on some of those switches? I, yeah, I thought it was telling that... Oh, what The one thing that I got from that, obviously, it's good to see Danny Welbeck back and yeah. fit. Um, that's always an option. Um, we'll get onto his goal, but I'm very glad he's finally off off the mark for this season. Um, it feels long overdue. Um, secondly, I think it was quite telling that Gross moved into the double pivot with Caicedo and Mac pushed up to the 10 roll. Yeah. Um, in that you could very easily just put Gross there because um, he can play anywhere. I think we're pretty pretty content with that um but the easy move would have been Veltman at right back put Gross in that 10 free roam allow him to do the running I people say that he's slow but he he goes he goes a long way he's a he's a distance runner he covers a lot of ground um that's probably one of the first times we've seen Mac in that 10 role um under De Zerbi at least I know we've sort of played with it but we're so used to seeing him in that double pivot with Caicedo I thought it was a different switch up from Deserby to put Mac in that role. And I think it was effective as well in the last sort of 20 minutes. I thought he saw a lot more on the ball and was doing a lot more. Um, but that's what, that's what I got from it. I think for their changes, um, I don't know how useful four changes with Elliot, Doak and, and Gomez was. Um, but I guess he was trying to put some energy into it to try and get them out um, and, and get a goal back. But it didn't really do too much for us, to be honest, because... 10 minutes later, um, Welbeck pops up with a, another one. Yeah, and this is this is what you miss with Danny Welbeck. And now I remember, obviously, you, you, there are 
the, the memory forgets the bad times when Danny started the season and couldn't get a goal for his life. Um, but he's the guy that's capable of doing what he did here. Uh, there's he has this the audacious in him. Um, talk us through the goal. We have, we have the throw come in on that, that far touch line and it goes over to Solly. Yeah, so yeah, Solly March again. You got two goals and assist. If you had him in FPL, well done. Um, but sort of the, the throw comes in, and it this is where I am going to say that Liverpool were bad. Um, I think this is just uh, defensively, this is shocking, but I think it, it takes a, an audacious striker to do what Welbeck did anyway. Uh, so Solly heads it on uh, like over the, the next defender, which enables Welbeck to get close to the byline. Um, Gomez comes to meet him. He flicks it over his head like he wasn't even there. Then sort of takes a half step back and volleys it into the back of the net like it was like he'd been doing it every day for the last year or so. Um, just it takes someone with an incredible amount of composure to think about that and also execute it. Um, bad defending, yes, but you need the player to finish that. And it, it was it was very, very good for, for that one instance. It was pretty good and, and saw the game off, basically. Oh, I think this was the one. When you're 2-0 up, you still have this weird PTSD fear. That you're like, they, always, oh, they always say it's the most dangerous scoreline, don't they? Uh, yeah, most, but also against, against Liverpool, you're just like, oh, God, how, how are they going to do this then? Yeah. Um, but the third and the audacity of it, just at, on 81 minutes, then you're just laughing at that point. And then the chants were coming up and the atmosphere was raucous and it was fun. Um but yeah, I agree with you. It was some of the laziest, like thoughtless defending you've seen. But plenty of those that happen where the throw comes in, the head is crap, or even if the head is decent from Solly, it comes into another striker and they just smash the ball on the outside of the post or it hits the defender. No, not everyone does, as you say, this scoop flick over the over the defender's head and just smashes the ball in. Um and and that wasn't the end, by the way, as well, because Sarmiento had come into the game too. And after this, nearly cool. tried to like chip Allison off the line by pinging it. And by the way, I think it was Caicedo who like the ball through to Sarmiento for this chance, by the way, at the end of the game, was just outside of the foot smash through two Liverpool players. It was, we were, sh- we were showboating against the, the, the Champions League finalists of last season. I, I mean, it, it, we'll, we'll get to player ratings and stuff like that. But just, I think Welbeck done exactly what he needed to do. Like I said, great to see him back and fit. Also great to see him on the scoreline. I hope he probably kicks on here. I think the competition you have between Ferguson and Welbeck is going to get the best out, best out of any situation. I mean, whoever you put on is probably going to score in this in this team. I mean, we can look at the, the goals scored for this season already. Um, but Sarmiento had something of him because he came on and, and had a point to prove. I thought he was just for the, for this 10 or so minutes that you saw him, he was absolutely everywhere. And um, the Ecuadorian connection with Caicedo as well, who again is eight out of 10. Otherwise, um, you know, it, just a very good end to the game. And like you said, once that third goal goes in, you have the confidence to do whatever. And, and it's sort of that team was sort of playing with a little bit of freedom then. And you saw, what that does to the confidence of the team and what someone like Salmiento can feed off of. It's just, yeah, nice little end to the game just to enjoy and just relish in it. 
he's a fun player to be able to bring on in a situation like that as well. And, and um, uh, there's uh, Joe in the chat mentioned talking about like chuffed with the recent results and the style of football, but room for improvement on the bench. We will get onto that. As we mentioned a little bit earlier, we, we do have a, a show next week, next Sunday, where Ben Jacobs of CBS Colasso is going to join us and we'll talk through all things transfers. Who knows what's going to happen with Trossard at that point. But for the time being, Enjoy the three 0 Yeah, the bench looks a little bit light, but when you when you smash them for three up, three nil, and then you just bring on youngsters, and then the bench is fine. The depth is fine if you're first eleven. But that's the that's one of those that's one of those things, isn't it? I think we know that we've got five subs this year. Every team has got five subs this year, and and I completely get that. And but you saw Van Heck put in a decent performance against yeah. Borough. You've got Sarmiento, we know is good. And CISO is 18, but it's still a bit of a live wire. Um, you have Gilmore, you have Lamptey. Steele is good as a, a secondary goalkeeper. Maybe some more competition, but I think we're being a bit harsh. Um, and then you've got Adam Webster coming on at the end of the game as well, who's coming back to fitness. So I think it's one for next week. I think it's just food for thought is that if you buy any established Premier League players, how many of them are happy to sit on the bench? Um, yeah. Or is it, is it better to have these hungry young players with so much potential to go and make a name for themselves and bring that energy for, for the next sort of 20 minutes of a game? Um, it, it's that delicate balance there where you do need established players, absolutely, but you can't fill that subs bench full of people that are not happy just to bide their time and get that chance. And I think you get that with NCSO, Sarmiento, the Ferguson's, you know, you you get that hunger and that ability to to take that chance. Um, it's a tough one. This is and this is the first time, by the way, this season. I I've actually looked at the, the bench and gone, huh? Like in a in a pleasantly surprised yeah. way. Um, yeah. Because with some of the injuries and some of the like World Cup stuff and bans, uh, we we went through a bit of a weird patch. And by the way, yeah. It, it, that could change again with injuries. But as you said, Lamptey, Webster, Welbeck, Sarmiento, Gilmore, Feltman. Uh, what's, I like all those players. But those players can start a, a decent chunk of those. Uh, and yeah, Van Heck, Steele, Undev. By the way, your top goal scorer wasn't in the squad there. Just a quick reminder again of that. So where does he fit in that scenario or his replacement? Um You've, you have enough sample size at this point to say that Ferguson is able to play a role and and play a role well. Like we've seen a few games now, so now is that is does that mean that there is players that we can sign and they would fit in well here? Yes, but do you also now look at this team that's just beat Liverpool three 0 and look at the subs bench where you bring on talented players and Danny Welbeck to do what he just did and go? You know what? We're looking pretty decent here. Yeah, I, I think so. Let, let's talk about. <laughs> this is I love these ones because this is the one where you, you, you try and pick man of the match and you just go all of them. Uh yeah. what yeah. what do you think? I I mean it it will be it will be Solly March for me. Just I think we we spoke five minutes about him during this pod already, so there's not really too much more to say. But I I would feel unjust if I didn't give this one to Solly March. I thought not just with the goals and, and the assist that he got, but just the threat that he brings now and what he brings to that team on the right-hand side. We know how good that left side is. And I, I sort of, we can wax lyrical about that, but also that right-hand side with Gross at right-back as well. He provides that cover defensively and is a threat going forwards. 
I just think he had one of the best games in a Brighton shirt yesterday. And uh, I really hope it, it continues because he's looking like a little bit of a world beater, if I'm honest. Um, it, yeah, I, I can't look past Solly March for, for this week. Uh, yeah, it has to be Solly. But I'm all, I, I, I truly am looking at other players that in, in that game where you go... They was they were he was a he was an S tier and they were A plus tier and for me those were Matoma was just we talked about him in the first half he really is for me this this size difference maker obviously not the one that bagged the goals necessarily yesterday but he terrifies defenses and he, and he creates so many other options because of the, those direct runs that he has yeah um, and frankly if he had a finish a bit better on a couple of chances yesterday it could have been we, we could have beaten Liverpool 4-5 there, there was one there was one in this second half where he he sent Trent the completely the wrong way so <laughs> I might redact what I said about him being a good right back <laughs> like for, for those that were about to tweet something mad at me in the first 10 minutes I think I'm eloquently going to just redact that and, and say no comment but just left him for dust um with fake going down the left-hand side, cut into the right, put it straight at Allison. But like, it was a clear as day chance, and you know for Matoma that nine times out of ten that nestles in the bottom corner because we saw it two weeks ago against Arsenal. Um, so, it, yeah, I, I'm look for for those. I think on Twitter, I sort of I retweeted something from Breaking the Lines around just his stats and his ability and his I think his expected threat which has become a new thing this year um apparently um but just just around how effective he is and what he does and his one-to-ones um you can see the plan and that he he executes it so well you get him one-on-one with the right back and nine times out of ten just get in the box because it's so consistent and I think that's that's what's good about him is that he's fast but he's consistently good like every single time and makes the right decisions. Again, he's he's up there with Caicedo now for me and probably McAllister where he's he's having a seven or eight out of 10 game and he's he's in contention for a man of the match when he plays because he is just that effective. Well, you expect him to beat the man at this point. You expect him to go around the man uh, and he normally does. <laughs> uh, and and yeah, as we as you said, if he, if he doesn't smash it on target or what was, was it Everton where he just slotted an incredible finish in the bottom right uh, I think it was against Pickford um, but even if it doesn't like yeah just get get in space because think about that's when he smashed it in against Borough and Mac pulled off that that little flick um, the the assist uh, for March for the first goal like he sees a pass as well so having the ability to go around a man and then actually like either finish or, or find the other man is is incredible it's making the right choice isn't it I think yeah. that's that's what we maybe have been lacking in the last couple of years. I think, you know, I, I don't want to rag on someone when, like, I'm using it as an example. Mope was very, he was good and effective for us to an extent. But I think we always said that if Mope had a, a second to think about it, he'd make the wrong choice. And I, yes. I don't think that composure was there. I think you're now starting to see players where they get their head up and they make the right choice. Um, and Ferguson's part of that. I think March is now part of that. I think Matoma is incredibly good at it. And McAllister's good at it. They make the right decision most of the time. And I think that is a very big difference um, when, you, when you are playing these games. How much of that is down to the player and how much of that is down to the, what the manager tells them, though? Just because 
I think if you ask yeah. a Chelsea fan at the moment, they go, none of the players know what decision to make anymore. And look, I know it takes a while to get his system. And Potter did incredible stuff for this club. He did amazing things. But every player looks better under De Zerbi. Right. I, right now he does. I'll play devil's advocate and say we're, we're doing very well and it's very good to have those sort of thoughts. I think when you see a slump or a potential slump or where the purple, the patch isn't so purple, should we say? Um, but I, th- I agree with you anyway, is that we do look like a better team and they look like better individuals under this, under this manager. I, just, I I'm worried about when we are, when we do go through a rough patch and we go, maybe this is a confidence thing. And I think that's where I'm going with this is that, these, pe- these team believes in itself and these individuals believe in themselves. And I think that's down to the manager instilling that and, and bringing that to life. The ability to make choices and decisions and not be maybe afraid of failure um, is something that can happen to, to these players. But whatever Deserby's doing, it's working. Um, and I think it will continue to work. Uh, I think just be mindful that a couple of bad results and maybe we'll see something in a different light. But who knows? I mean, we'll just ride this. <laughs> Let's just ride this wave and, and just enjoy it while it lasts. And, and just to talk about that, um, tweet from yesterday, since the resumption of club football after the World Cup, no side in the top five European leagues has scored more goals in all competitions than Brighton. It's, it's out. And I think I put this in our in our little chat as well and then put it through in that you're talking 17 goals in the last five games in all comps. I mean, I know Middlesbrough skews that, but they're still a championship team. But the 17 goals in five games is outrageous, given that last year we couldn't hit a barn door. That's that's the thing that I'm still, and this is why I also tend to side with this idea that are we going to look back in a few months and go, oh God, we, we got too eager with this, uh, but all this, when, when this run, if you want to call it that ends but by the way I'm sure that Newcastle fans are thinking that I'm sure Fulham fans are thinking that I'm sure Brentford fans are like absolutely we're all having these same thoughts because it's unusual Um, but this three against Liverpool five against Borough four against Everton two against Arsenal and again I still thought we played all right considering how good Arsenal are three against Southampton and now we're about to go into a run of games where we play, and this is a problem, right? Uh, are we going to suddenly then slip up against the likes of Leicester, who we play next Saturday, then Bournemouth, Palace, and then we go into Fulham and Newcastle, where, which are very, very important games for us, but they're not until the end of February. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see how this keeps up, but mm. uh, I saw another thing yesterday, which was, I think from, uh, if you're listening, Rich, Seagull Rich, FPL Rich on Twitter. He said his dad, who's been going to, to Brighton since the 60s, says that the Liverpool game was the best 90 minutes of football he's ever seen from us. I can't think of a more competent performance against a big side or most sides that we play than, than what we saw then. So if you're if even if you're feeling discomforted and thinking, when is this going to be over? I mean this doesn't feel lucky to me. That's the big difference. This mm-hmm. doesn't feel lucky. It looks like a manager that knows what he wants. And you said it perfectly. This is a team that isn't afraid to take a chance. And yeah, we're going to concede a couple of goals. We're going to do this. We'll make some mistakes. Sanchez will screw up. This will happen. But the point is, 
take the chances at the other end and do these things and passages of play and movement that I've I've drilled into at the training ground because that's going to outweigh the downsides. Whereas with Graham, it was always don't make those mistakes. Don't do that. Never do that. Only ever wait for the right opportunity, which can work, but it meant it was a one nil or you lose one nil. And I'll tell you what, I'd in any eventuality or any dimension or lifetime, I want to watch this football. I want to watch this football because this is exciting. And I, yeah. And I think that's sort of where I wanted to leave it as well was, you know, what is this? What, 35 goals now in 18 games or something silly? So you're, you're averaging two goals a game at this rate in the Premier League. Um, that's just incredibly fun to watch and and i think you're always you're always in for a shout from getting something from a game if you're scoring um whilst two years ago i distinctly remember saying if we don't concede we'll never lose right and, and i think <laughs> it's i think there's a there's a stark contrast between the two now where it's like well actually we're going for the win now rather than trying not to lose and it, it feels like that's happening a lot more now and you'll see the plaudits and all the, the football experts and, and stuff. We've all got Twitter, we've all got social media, but um, this is a very good side. And I think it's better than we realize. I think it's, I said at the start, I think this is a very good team and they're very well drilled. Um, and we're doing very well. What are we nearly at the halfway mark of the premier league? We're sitting quite rosy on 30 points. Uh, it's, it's a bloody good time to be a Brighton fan. Uh, can you imagine a scenario where I feel like I say this each week now at this point because it keeps becoming more unbelievable where if I told you a year ago or even just at the tail end of last season that it's the 15th of January of 2023 you have lost your best player of last season, by the way, don't let's not be revisionists. Your best player of last season was 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 Mark Kukurea. He was. Doesn't matter what he's playing like now. He was the best player for us last season. Your second best player last season was Eve Basuma. Gone. You could argue your third best player last season was Leandro Trossard. Wasn't in the squad. And you batter Liverpool 3-0. As you say, you're on 30 points. If you win your next game against the 15th place side in the league, you will be fifth. You will be above Tottenham Hotspur, Liverpool and Chelsea in the Premier League. Uh, how soon would you have called my wife to check me into the local psychiatric ward? <laughs> I, I would have said I love whatever he's having. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, it is. And I think, you know, it, it is nice to look back on these things and you can say, you know, this, it's outrageous how far we've come and, and what we're doing here. I mean, it, we, we always talk about this and like, oh, what if, and, you know, the if buts and the maybes and, and all that sort of jazz. But the reality is, is that we've changed an entire coaching staff halfway through this, well, partway through the season. So you didn't even in. talk about the coaching staff and um, Bruno and everything, yeah. You lose, you lose your technical director. You lose some behind-the-scenes people. You lose two of your best players um, for decent money. Don't get me wrong, um, but you keep that spine of the squad. You add Esther Pinyan in there as well, um, and the new signing that we want to talk about for Kundo. Uh, Buonanotte, uh, that's the I believe one. Buonanotte, um, who looks like a first-team signing. 
to be honest. I think he, he's sort of come in and given the hype around him, it doesn't look like he's uh, he's going straight back out. It looks like he's he's here to contribute. Um, but yeah, I think again those sort of things and and those sort of signings and being able to be as good, if not better, whilst losing some of these vital parts of the system um, just goes to show how well run this club is and how well Bloom's doing and Paul Barber and just in being able to find replacements and being able to not skip a beat by doing it. It is remarkable. And uh, you said as good as or better. This is this is a this is a better team. This is mm-hmm. a. It might not be a better team on paper, but this team right now is is greater than the sum of its parts, and it is being made to perform at a level that we did not think was necessarily possible or plausible based on the football that we've we've seen the last two three years, including a ninth place finish last year. If the fact that we are better to the eye test and currently league position, but to me significantly better at the eye test over the last few games than we were last year at any point Mm. is miraculous considering that was a top 10 finish. Yeah. Mental. And to think that, and I think we'll put it down to, I guess yesterday as well, is that you're, you're missing your top scorer who's supposedly thrown a little bit of a sulk and, and butted heads with a couple of senior players behind the scenes, allegedly. Um, don't skip a beat. Just go and beat Liverpool three nil with, you know, with you know, <laughs> just little reprieve or just done it just off canter. And and you're like, right, okay. Does does anything does anything phase this team in in what they're doing and what they're trying to achieve? And I think that's one of the bits as well as we're seeing. This is like you very well put is, is that it, the sum of its parts. Um, it's a very good team. Um, yes. that on paper is now becoming insane as well. You've you've got people clamouring for our players left, right, and arson. Um, but you you've now got this team contributing to some of the best performances we've ever seen Brighton play before. Um, and yesterday was one of them. Yeah, and and this is it's not wax. We're not waxing lyrical. This is ask not ask your non-Brighton fans because we're starting to win far more admirers elsewhere at this point. Um, and Regardless of how you 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 know you think about the way that Bloom has sort of created the source of his funding, the fact remains from a monetary standpoint and wages standpoint and all that kind of good stuff. Um, this is a, this is a a club that is created sustainably and without a big uh, pool of oil money. And I think if you really if you put six pints in a Newcastle fan, they would rather have what we have than what they have. Um, and and that's a that's a testament to what this is. Um, Buonanotte, we, we, we'll touch on the, this just as the last piece because we, we have made a January signing. Now, this has been a long time coming. It was inked a while back but didn't become official until a couple of days ago, I believe. Uh, or Yeah, it was yeah a couple about of that. days ago. But I think we, we heard about it in November, didn't we? Uh, yes, uh, and 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 this is a he's an attacking player. He's an eighteen-year-old kid. I think he's playing under Carlos Tevez, who before Tevez got fired, right. and he was saying incredible things about this kid. Um, apparently, according to an article from Richie Mills in Sussex Live, was a reported target of Juventus, Atletico Madrid, and Borussia Dortmund. Uh, if you think they're half decent company to be uh, alongside, oh, uh, and we have, yeah, it's fairly outrageous. Yeah. Um, 
but this brings on to, to one other point, and we'll see. And I agree with you. It sounds like he's going to be first team training and that type of thing. Uh, maybe they'll loan him out. I, I don't know what the plan is there. But if you look at the bench against Liverpool, as we talked about before, the expectation is maybe Indef goes out. Well, you could bring him in, but then you've still got the question mark against Leandro Trossard. Now, assuming Trossard's going to go, um, you've still got a busy bench there and some talent. And CISO wasn't on the bench yesterday. Um, mm. So you've got suddenly this sort of collection of very, very talented, skillful Latin players and not enough spots for them. But for a talented, skillful, non-Latin player, if Trossard comes back and says, you know what, Roberto, I'm an idiot and I feel bad. And my agent, I fired him. I hate him. Please bring me back. Do you start Trossard in this team? I, I think he was he was dropped for valid reason. I, I think, you know, for me, I think when he came back from the World Cup, I think he wasn't at the level that he was when he left. Yeah. And I think, for me, for, again, we can only see it at face value, but I think he was rightly dropped because his performances weren't as good as they should have been. Um, now, should he have been called out <laughs> in, in the media like he was? Um, I probably not but you know if the if the agent's going to play that then we'll, we'll play that um i think he doesn't start i think if he does come back and i think for me if if he goes sorry my bad shitty agent i just felt a little bit off and he apologized then i'd have him back in a heartbeat because you know how good he is and and let's not i'm, I'm not gonna sort of dress it up and say if he doesn't want to be here then he's he's crap he's not crap he's very good um and I would have it back in the team, but I don't think he starts. Um, you, you've got Matoma on the left. You have <laughs> March on the right. Alon Dor, Solly, March. They're both yeah. un, undroppable at this point. Um, yeah. You've got a 10 in McAllister if you don't play him in a double pivot. You can't drop Pascal Gross. You can't drop Evan Ferguson. So they're all there by merit. And he would have to play his way back into the team. And I think that's the same for Bonanotte. That's the same for Sarmiento. That's the same for all of those guys on the bench. Is that when this team is playing to the level it's playing, you cannot change this team because yeah. it is just operating at a high level. And, and this is a group of players that wants to play and wants to succeed. Now, the attitude difference that you see from Evan Ferguson doing like doing that extra bit of body checking, movement, like putting his situation on the line to get a ball forward. We didn't see any of that from Trossard uh, in recent in recent memory. Uh, and that's what De Zerbi demands. And this is the difference that you'll get with De Zerbi because outside of all the on-pitch stuff, he's a, he's a fiery Italian, emotional Italian chap, right? I'm I'm married to a fiery Italian. So, that you know, like... They're, they're, he, you are going to get the emotion from the players in a positive sense, and you're then going to get um, these situations that maybe when when the geography teacher was your manager never went beyond, uh, you know, the Amex, mm. never mm. left it, and maybe you hear something about it from Naylor two weeks later. No, now you're going to hear Deserby just be like, "No, this guy's an arsehole. No, I, my, I don't. I'm not speaking to him." And you can apologise and come back and I'll deal with it. You're going to get some of that now. That's the expectation. You take the bad with the good if you even consider it bad. And that's But that's the precedent that you set, right? And I think as a, as a manager, the first time you see some discontent in the squad, this this sets the tone. And I think you're right, is that 
for anyone else that feels this way or if anyone feels aggrieved about their position in the club. I think he's made it very public and he's made it very clear that he is the coach and this is how it's going to be. And, and you know, some people are going to love that. Personally, I love it. I think it was a little bit too public, but it is it is what it is. I think the agent was the majority of that. But So I'm, I'm not going to say anything about the Zerbi, but... Um, it's his rules. I think that's that's exactly what he said. Was you know, I choose I'm the, the team. boss. I'm the coach of this team. Um, and the fact that you can drop your top scorer and still outclass uh, a team like Liverpool, crisis or not, embarrass is is silly. And that's that's work of a a very good manager. I think we're <laughs> it's. It is outrageous that we've been able to to grab this manager to replace Graham Potter. Um. Uh, by the way, the parallels here that you see with Ten Hag at United, another guy that's come in and said, I'm running this team. There's no more of this crap. Uh, Ronaldo, if you're going to be a lazy, petulant, languid guy up front that thinks he's big into the club and you're going to go on Piers Morgan, okay, see you, I don't care, you're out. Uh, Rashford, you're going to sleep in late and miss training, I'm dropping you. I don't, yeah, uh, I don't care if you've scored four in a row. Don't care, and then you're going to come off the bench and score and then you're going to, and look at them now. Like that is, that's what you want to see. You want to see that discipline for, from the club. And again, what you said there, just about how how we managed to get this guy. And if you ever, if you had your doubts, and I think we all did, by the way, mm-hmm. of right, this guy did it at Sassuolo. Great. I don't even know where that is. Like it's fine. Like uh, well, that's not what I think of when I think of this area. I'm going to go look it up and do a deep dive on Sassuolo. He looks great. Perfect. He won't be able to do it in the Premier League. He had a bit of time at Shakhtar and then it uh, wasn't enough time to really understand whether he really moved the needle or not. Well, I think we've probably seen enough now that we might actually have a mad genius on our hands, potentially. It's early days. Now, could this all suddenly go pear-shaped? Yeah, of course it could. But the oh, point eight, is... eight in the table. We're, we're, <laughs> uh, but this is, this is a guy who... The, what you saw from his previous positions, he's... He's just now just done that in the prep. Like he's already done it. He's mm. even if he left tomorrow, you'd be like, this guy came in, completely changed this this Brighton team and some of its players, and they were embarrassing some of the top teams in the league. I, I, I we took a risk and it's paid off. Yeah, it's it's almost um, yeah, it's it's quite divine, isn't it? Just the circumstances. I know they're they're very bad circumstances in the way that he left Shakhtar and, and the way that sort of that all happened. Um, yeah. But I think you reap the rewards of some unfortunate <laughs> global ongoings is that you, you find this manager and it, it, it all worked out amazingly well. Um, it, it's just a very weird, it's a weird season, I think. And then, and then you look at the table right now and the, the teams were above, as you mentioned, and also the teams at the top and, uh, it's a very strange season, and uh, and even looking at the bottom half, you know, I brought up thirty points from from eighteen games. Like the the, the Brighton fan in me goes ten more points, just nine, <laughs> yeah, just ten more points, and and you see seven teams within two points of each other, and you're going, thank God that isn't us, and think we're a little bit separated from that, and we're actually looking up, um, can be very grateful of that as in previous seasons not last season, but a couple of seasons before, you wouldn't have been able to say that. Yeah, and, and, and we're as good as it looks. Like, mm, every, the yeah. games you watch, 
scrub charting from your mind. It was a weird situation, but the games you watch, the goal difference, the points, we, we, we've got better goal difference than Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea by a country mile. Like there are a handful of teams that are far and away, like walking off into the distance, but there's not many for us. But I think if you're, if you're a fan of set of clubs in, in, in the Premier League, like, it's really a case at the moment. The four teams that you probably like most, the fan bases are most happy. Mm. You've got Arsenal, Newcastle, Fulham, uh, and us. Fulham. Yeah. And then I guess you'd probably say like Man U and Brentford fans are fairly happy because you've got City who are like suddenly look like half the team they used to be. Mm. By the way, four weeks ago, Man United were in crisis. So that's. Conte suddenly looks very fallible. Um, but I think you probably have to say that we are, in terms of form and excitement and where we're at, we, we are even better than seventh, as silly as that is to say. Uh, we are yeah. we are a side that could, could really get higher up this table in the near term, whether it lasts till the end of the season, that's a very different thing. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah, I, we could talk about this for quite a while because it just feels very, very, very bizarre to continue talking about the fact that we could potentially be fifth after next weekend's games and deservedly so. Um, but we should wrap it up. Uh, any other thoughts? As a, as a quick reminder, we are going to be talking more obviously post Leicester on Sunday next week, probably around about six ish UK time, so about one ish uh, on the east coast of the US for listeners there. Uh, we'll talk transfers. We'll talk Leicester. Any other thoughts for now, Craig, or should we just talk about how amazing it is that we're currently in seventh? No, I think, yeah, it's the main thing is just enjoy it, right? We, it's some of the best football you've ever seen this club play. You're seventh in the table right now, could go fifth this time next week. Um, just, yeah, it, it's outrageous. Just in, enjoy the football, relish in it. Um, and we're starting to get plaudits from everywhere now. I think you, you look on Twitter, you'll see you'll see people from outside really taking note of what, what this team is doing. So um, it feels good. It feels good. I think that's, that's pretty much it for me. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. All our best wishes to Mwepu and we hope mm, we hear good yes. news there. Uh, you'll be thankful that Josh comes back and will be joining <laughs> us next week. Um, uh, but from the UK in his back to the UK for him in his, in his new digs, on the old stomping grounds and, so, and getting to some games hopefully as well yes for, for those that are going yeah we hope he could well hopefully he's not a bad luck charm we'll see <laughs> yeah um, thank you everyone if you have any questions for Ben Jacobs please send them our way Twitter uh, or on the YouTube comments or wherever you want to find us send them in and um, we'll we'll put them to Ben and ask about the, the, the intricacies behind where Trossard could go Caicedo's uh, potential movement all that kind of good stuff and potential people coming in But outside of that, thank you all for listening. We will see you next week. Thank you.